and there will be a level of self-doubt that's created in all human beings. That's, that's the mind. And I think along the journey, the universe gives us opportunities to wake up and opportunities to return to center, you know, and, and to really realize what's within us. And if you truly just sit in peace and are in silence and think about what you could do or who you could be if you didn't let all of the shit stop you. And if you just let go of all the stories, let go of the opinions of others, if you just did what you truly wanted to do and went after it, you could do it. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I am incredibly honored and proud to share with you a beautiful young man, Jordan Potts. Now, this incredible soul is someone very special, and I encourage you for all men to hear this, but also for us women, it's really nice to have an insight from a man who has really been to the brink and back and beyond And all the things that he's been through and all the things that he's experienced in those 28 years, I think you will identify with it, whoever you are and wherever you are. But I think the thing that makes the story and this interview so special is what's on the other side of struggle, what is on the other side of pain, and what is it when we break through our own inability to see our potential how much possibility and potentiality is then available to us. I think you'll really enjoy his insights, his values, the way he now looks at the world through all of his experiences and the beautiful Jordan Potts, who has worked for years in the health and fitness industry and how he was, I guess you could say, frustrated with the industry and what it is even today but how he has gone from the pump and dump burnout mindfulness fitness with little regard for holistic approach to optimal health. He's now created something very different and he wanted to make a change. And I guess you'll hear in this podcast, his motto to live by is to be the change he wanted to see in the world. So he works with young athletes and also rather than focusing on fixing people or helping people to see their mistakes or their problems, his passion is just to help people to become better, more resilient and happier. And I think you'll enjoy today from the perspective of that there is no right or wrong here. It's just someone sharing very openly, very passionately his experiences and his truths. I sincerely hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. And also, if you have any feedback, any comments, anything at all, please check out the notes so that you can see the links on where to follow Jordan, but also to give us some feedback. You can go to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, and also you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Please enjoy this week's show as we come now into the new year. This is my absolute favorite and a beautiful way to end this particular year, a big year for so many of us, but I really encourage you to listen to this with new insight, new learnings, and a possibility of a whole brand new way of being in 2022. As you can hear, I am super excited today. It's not often I get to experience interviewing someone on the Self Love Podcast live. So it is such a treat to have the amazing Jordan Potts with us today. And as you can hear from the intro, a rather ambitious, incredible human. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm very blessed to be sitting here. Well, I tell you, it is such a treat, as we said, to have you live and to be in here with me. But more importantly, I guess why it came about in that way is because we've spoken a lot about your values. And I would love for you to share with the listeners before we talk about your story, why it was so important for you to be here live. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So in a world full of technology and in a society where where technology at the moment is advancing 180% per year. So it's nearly doubling every single year, the progression. And so what we're going to see in the next five, 10 years is a crazy, crazy dive into 
you know, technological advances. And one of my greatest values is nature and connection with human beings. And I understand that any chance I have to connect with someone in person is a really quality you know, exchange. And so, you know, I really appreciate you accepting my invite to come and do it live. I know it's just a little bit out of the work. So, yeah, no, I do see it being a massive value for human beings as a whole to stay connected in person. That's not, I'm not dumbing the light on technology. I think technology is amazing and it has rewarded us so well and, and incredible advances in our technology and our intelligence, but we have to have that balance. So we've got to be able to get back to natural remedies we've got to get back into ourselves we've got to connect to a community and we've got to have that that value there i think that from my perspective so i really appreciate it and i think part of why i love this podcast and our beautiful guests is there is a real strong value to connection on all levels but before we go down that rabbit hole a little bit more which i'd love to dig deeper Perhaps you could let the listener know a little bit more about Jordan Potts, who he is, his story. It's an amazing story and maybe even how you met that beautiful woman of yours and where you're at in this moment in time and and what your passion is, what your drivers are at the moment. Yeah, incredible. So let's go. I'll I'll accelerate this because there's – and there's lots of deep podcasts if they want to go right into my story, but I'll keep it short and sweet. So started as a happy-go-lucky kid. Absolutely loved life. I'm an ENFP, which means as an archetype, I'm a superhero in my mind. (laughs) So whether I was wandering around as a kid with a literal cape, like a towel around my neck, or whether it was just in my mind, I had always had a cape on. I was climbing trees, bombing down hills, riding pushies, just doing awesome stuff. And yeah, I remember up until I was 11, our family unit was just so incredible. Like our family was amazing. I loved. It was the perfect picture of family to me as a young boy. And I remember the the night my dad came in and said that my parents were splitting up and yeah, my heart just sunk and it felt like it got ripped out of my chest. And as a young boy, I had no idea how to process that. No, no awareness around how to process anger or frustration or guilt or shame all of these things, these like negative vibrations in our emotions that I was feeling really had a massive effect on me as a young boy. And so over the next, you know, 10 years, I I was playing rugby league at the time because my mates wanted me to. I didn't necessarily like it, but I was doing something for them. And I really went into rugby league with a lot of anger. So I would try and break people and unfortunately, I came off second best most times. So across six, a six-year period, I had seven major injuries, including broken both collarbones, snapped the ligaments in my ankle, ruptured my ACL. You know, did all kinds of stuff, got knocked out, doing all, doing not 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 the greatest things for my body and my mind. And that journey led me into a place where I really doubted my ability. I doubted myself, and. Yeah, I got to a point where I was really, really at a at a lost point in life. I, I didn't enjoy life anymore. And being 16, I'd just done my ACL. I put on 30 kilos. It was the first time I'd ever been overweight. So I had this level of shame and guilt around my body image. And then, yeah, I, I managed to come to the conclusion that I didn't want to go back to footy but then I needed something on the weekends to do. So I met some older friends. I naturally just had some older friends at school and we all started drinking on the weekends underage. And that led into doing like drugs, like press pills and MDMA and starting to experiment with drugs. And I just remember the the feeling when I had my first press pill or a pinger was literally like I was a superhero again. There's this, this rush of energy roaring through my veins and I had this immense power back in myself. And I thought, wow, if I can access this just by swallowing a pill, I want to do more of it. And I was, I was in a place in my life where I was really confused in my day-to-day life. And then on the weekends, I could become this, this thing, right? And I could just be full of life and, and party and have fun. And, and it was all about the good, good times, right, when you're young. And so that led me into a really dangerous relationship with drugs, which led to you know, smoking all kinds of drugs, doing heavier, harder drugs, going for longer. We're doing like three or four day benders without sleep. 
And I got to a point where I was really distracted from myself. I was, I, I became something or an identity that wasn't true to me. But at the time it felt incredible because I had people around me that would egg me on and, you know, boost me up and say, Oh yeah, you best, best dude to be around. You're so much, so much fun. And you're always just going so hard. And yeah, it got to a point where I was dependent on the weekend to, to live a, a life of satisfaction, which is really a hard place to be in because you're in this vice where you're using drugs to access happiness but it's so temporary. It's, it's just temporary. It, it fizzles out come Monday and you've got to get through that, you know, four or five days of hell and then you can start again. So that got me to a point where I was really heavily addicted to taking drugs on the weekend and to the point where my friends would have to look after me. I was always the one that was going way too hard and it got to a point where I was a bit of a burden like I, I got way too hard into it and it became really toxic relationship. And so one day I remember just so out of it and hearing this beep and it was like I could hear the, the beep of the hospital and it was like I could hear a machine and I slowly opened my eyes and I had tubes down my throat and my whole body was basically like, heavy. I couldn't move my body. I was so sore. I just didn't know what was going on. And my dad walked over to me and he said, like, are you okay, bro? Like, you're okay, mate. I'm here for you. You know, like you're all right. And I'd fall, I'd climbed a 10 meter tree at Splendor in the grass and fell out of the tree and went into an epileptic fit, blew my back out, got rushed to, you know, rushed to hospital, put into an induced coma. And I was in that coma for three days because they thought I might have had brain damage. And fortunately, God bless, like the way I landed, because I was intoxicated, my body was loose. So I didn't, I didn't you know, tighten up and, and break more stuff. So I kind of just like meshed into the ground and folded and my brain, you know, went into a, a fit. But I, I came out of that fairly unscathed. And that was the point in my life when I realized that I wasn't that 10-year-old boy just absolutely frothing on life. You know, <laughs> I had lost the vibe somewhere along the way. And so I got to a point where I went, all right, I need to rebuild and redesign myself into that life where I'm just frothing on every day. And so, yeah, that's taken me on a journey. That was, uh, that was five years ago. That's taken me on a journey over the last five years to really rediscover myself and come back to my center and, and enjoy life again like simply just love life again. And that, you know, you, you talk about Nicola and how I met her, you know, I, I chose to basically go celibate off the drunk, like off the, off the booze, off the drugs and go sober and just dive into information. And I moved myself away from Noosa, which is my hometown where all my mates were. And I moved to Melbourne with the intention to do nothing but learn about the body and nothing but learn about exercise and training and sports science. And so I dedicated six months to going completely sober off basically anything that's addiction. So no partying, no girls, you know, no late nights, no Netflix, nothing, nothing. I was just reading podcasts and training and, and being around mentors. And it's amazing because the week before I left Melbourne to move home, <laughs> this absolutely magic woman walks into our gym in uh in melbourne and so I, i've got this rule where i i didn't i didn't want to be the trainer that hits on girls right so that's been a big value of mine i had to think it's a, a creepy thing and so i made that mistake early on in in my um career as a as a trainer and so i, I kind of like went away from that for a few years and then Nicola walked in and we had this we had this you know you got that tension you're looking at each other across the room and I'm like her calf muscles just just hit like I, I couldn't could not stop checking her out and I thought if I don't ask this girl out I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life and so yeah she managed to um, actually she didn't she didn't come back to class and I thought oh, I'm I'm going to do the business thing I'm going to message her about her trial. So I said, hey, Nick Lord, it's Jordan from um, F45 Exhibition Street. Just wanted to see how your trial went and if you, you're looking to sign up or something. And she's like, oh, hey, can you message me privately? <laughs> and so we, we, we hooked up on the personal accounts. And then, yeah, she said, yeah, let's, let's go for dinner. And 
I'll take you out for a drink because it wasn't my home city. So I said, there's one, one thing you need to choose the bar or the, the place for dinner. Cause I don't know Melbourne. And yeah, that first night we just spoke for hours and we were just so deep in conversation and we it really felt like a life connection had already been created. And so that's, that's manifested into a beautiful relationship that, you know, we've now got our first child Indigo and he's just, He's magic and yeah, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. So it's, it's interesting that all of that came and, and I've had plenty of relationships with women and even like mates, like guys that were really toxic and it all came back to me as soon as I chose to work on myself and, and become a better person, the, the best thing ever happened, you know, the best thing in my life ever happened to me. So yeah. Absolutely. I find it quite interesting that we sometimes have to hit rock bottom and one of our counsellors said sometimes you have to watch someone you love fall so low but what happens is they end up putting both feet on the ground to push themselves back up so you've got to watch and let them fall and it's hard it would have been hard for your parents your friends the people that were watching you from afar and I totally understand that sometimes we can have a near death or quite a extraordinary situation happen, but there's still something within you that made you choose to let that life go and to start afresh. Now, do you believe that was always in you and you just got lost in the world of drugs or do you believe it was that that created that new you to emerge? That's a great question. And reflecting on that, I, I actually believe that we all have the spark. So every single human being is born with a spark somewhere deep behind all the layers and all the shit that's pressed onto us and the conditioning and the, the, the beliefs and everything. There's, deep down there's potential and there's a spark in there. And I think along the journey, we, it, it starts to dim itself. And I love the the quote that says, you know, don't make yourself smaller so you fit in with others. You know, like like making yourself big and making yourself yourself is really a trigger for people who don't have the confidence or courage to do it for themselves. So they'll tear you down, you know. And so we, we tend to shrink ourselves, our true selves around people because we don't, we fear the judgment or we fear the shaming or we fear, you know, being ostracized for being different. And it's interesting because having indigo and, and watching watching a brand new and having a brand new baby in your arms and experiencing life, I know he's got potential within him because he's a human being. And along the way, I can't protect him from this and I can't guard him. That's the full surrender experience is, is he is going to attach to certain beliefs or an experience or something. And, and there will be a level of self-doubt that's created in all human beings. That's, that's the mind. And I think along the journey, the universe gives us opportunities to wake up and opportunities to return to center, you know, and, and to really realize what's within us. And if you truly just sit in peace and are in silence and think about what you could do or who you could be if you didn't let all of the shit stop you. And if you just let go of all the stories, let go of the opinions of others, if you just did what you truly wanted to do and went after it, you could do it. And so for me, in reflection, when I was young, when I was up until 10, I was the king of the world. Like I was that superhero. And then along the way I got distracted and certain paradigms and programs and stuff got forced onto me, people's opinions of me. And I had then self-doubt and all this stuff, lack of self-love, all of this stuff started building into a, a stronger case around my heart kind of thing. I had this tough shell of rubbish around my potential and I had lots of opportunities. You know, I've had two car crashes where I nearly died. I've had, I fell asleep at the wheel once where I went through, went through. The universe was telling me, yelling at me, going, wake up, this is not good for you. And it took for me to have the near-death experience. But I think I do believe that around the right people and in the right environment, you don't need a near-death experience. You don't need that traumatic waking up, you know, that massive, you know, universal call. If you put yourself in the right environment with the right people around you, you can truly nurture your potential. You can wake, you know, wake up to it. So 
I think it's really important that your environment is the second largest dictator of your potential. You know, that's from Bruce Lipton. The, you know, the first thing is you yourself and your potential, but the second thing is the environment you're in. So, yeah, putting yourselves in environments that are going to really nurture and really harness what you, you have within you and encourage you to, to step into it. I couldn't agree with you more. I just feel many people born innocently into this world and, like you say, through experience, circumstance, environment, teaching, all of those things, for some reason they're, uh, I guess, exposed to things that most of us wouldn't want on anybody that we love. But I also appreciate that in my experience, the greatest learnings can come from our greatest struggles. Mm. Our greatest wake-ups happen when we are awoken to the pain of being a human being. Do you believe all humans have to go through pain in order to have that awakening regardless of environment? Do you believe pain is part of the process? And if so, how are you going to protect that little precious boy of yours but also know that could be his greatest learning platform? <laughs> well, we'll just crack this can of worms, hey, <laughs> dip it out on the table. So it's such a deep question and this is one, a few, a few of my community, few of, the, few of the people in my network have asked me since having Indigo, it's like, what is your thought about him experiencing adversity and you being a protector? And I think it's the ultimate surrender experience, but also creating the safest container that you can for him to explore adversity, for him to understand and embrace pain. Because I think pain is inevitable you know, whether you fall over and scratch your knee or whether you have an emotional experience with someone or a loss or grief or whatever it is that comes with the, the human experience, I think it's inevitable. So I don't think it's pains. I don't think we need to look at getting rid of pain. Pain is absolutely necessary. Pain creates growth. But I think, I think a lot of it's perspective. So the sooner we can change the way we look at things, the things that we look at will change. And so it's not necessarily about protecting him from things happening. It's encouraging him and embodying in myself the way I take on life. And so for me, I've meditated on this plenty of times and, and had thoughts come through my mind about what is my role for him as a father and, and what would I want for him? And my main thing is I want to embody my beliefs and not tell him my beliefs. You know, a smart person doesn't tell you they're smart. A tough person doesn't tell you they're tough. A rich person doesn't tell you they're rich. You know, you, there's, no, there's no reason to tell. If you're telling, you're, you're trying to justify it to yourself. So as soon as you embody it, it just becomes a natural aura around you and people can sense that. And so for Indigo as his father... I need to embody the things that I, I would appreciate him experiencing and whether he takes them or not is his choice. You know, it's, that's, that's his life. And so it's going to be a really interesting emotional process for me and going through fatherhood and in parenthood with Nicola and, and watching him grow and, and us wanting to him to have certain values and beliefs but also allowing him to live his own personal experience. And so I'm fully aware of like the challenges that are coming. I, and I, I don't know the severity, but I know what to what's coming. I, and I know that I've got work to do. And so I think in terms of wrapping it full circle, if he's in a safe space and container where he can he can process his emotions, he can talk about the things he's struggling with without any judgment or without even any limitations. And I'm really aware of the closest people to us are usually the ones that hold us back the most. You can't do that. It's not who you are. You know, that's not really what I want you to do. Like it's, it's really interesting. And, and I think I see that when you said before, you know, some, a lot of people, they want to, but they're, they feel stuck. They're probably, you know, hanging on to their parents' opinions of themselves or their best friend or their partner or it is such a crux to have the people close to you not support what you're doing, but that's where you need your tribe. That's where you need a community that actually sees 
the truth within you and, and doesn't have that pre pre-existing image of what you are. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really powerful progression into life experience for me is, is being a father and, and processing everything that comes with it and being able to have tools and techniques so I can process the emotions in my own body and I can be more calm and present for him and then embodying, like if I could teach him one thing, it's to love himself because I know how much, and it's so, you know, it's so relative to this podcast, but I know how much self-love is lacking in people's lives, like their love for themselves. They'll love everybody else, but if you ask them to list three things they love about themselves, they hit a block. And that's so common in our world. And I think confidence is an incredible skill and ability for the human human experience. So amazing, incredible. And and on that note, what is then your definition of self-love? Self-love to me is it's almost a reminder just to come back to yourself and to accept everything you've been blessed with. So your flaws, your triggers, your insecurities, everything that's wrong with you that makes you human, as soon as you accept that, you become more full of love. And I think it's really important. We live in a society that tells or shows or encourages people to love everyone else. Go out there, love everyone, put everyone else first. Now, I'm an incredible giver. I love giving people. I will help people as much as I can. I, I'll go out of my way to help people. So that's not, a, that's, that's not a lack in my life. But when my life changes, when I decided to give that love back to myself and to truly accept myself for the mistakes I've made, you know, what I'm not, instead of comparing to other people and accepting who I am. And then once I released all of those restraints, I found that I had more love for other people as well. So when I'm more full of love, I can love better. It's a very interesting and beautiful analogy. And it's almost at school there is this cross line of there's a very fine line between I don't know if you remember, but if someone was at school they, and they loved themselves, they were completely up themselves. Mm. So there seems to be this very fine line between confidence and arrogance. Yet you just mentioned that confidence is like a superpower. How would you compare the two? Yeah, so I use the C's, confidence and cocky. So very fine line, but it's a really distinct line. Confidence is when you believe in yourself and you love yourself, not at the expense of others. So there's no reason for you to prove yourself better than someone else. There's no reason for you to justify your love for yourself. You just, you just love yourself. You're just confident in your abilities. Where we see the difference, and this is very common in, in children because they're not emotionally aware yet or they don't have that development in their, their brain and their mind, is they will quite commonly go into cocky, which is I'm better than you because, you know, they'll pull other people down to get ahead because they're, they're also very, in a, they're in a survival state when they're young, you know, like that. And in the schoolyard, it's even harder because you've got social pressure, acceptance, conformity, you want to make friends, you want to be accepted. All of these things come into play and so kids get cocky really easily. You know, very rarely do you see a kid who's just full of love and just sits there and doesn't say a word. Most kids will tell you, (laughs) I'm this, that, that, and that, and then they'll easily judge. And, you know, we all have that inner child with us. You know, when you're judging someone else, that's a really immature part of yourself. And I I catch myself judging people sometimes and I go, whoa, 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 bring myself back to centre. Why am I judging this person? Is it an insecurity within me or is it, are they doing something that's out of my values or do I just straight up not vibe their vibe? And if that's, if that's what it is, the acceptance and the willingness to be an open person and, ex- and a loving person is accepting even those you don't love. You know, like I think that's where, where love also starts is, is loving people you, don't, you, you think you can't love and that's where you, yeah, there's the growth lies in your consciousness. I spent some time in India and 
very proudly just launched my book into India. So I have a bit of a soft spot for India. But one of the times that I really enjoyed was spending time with His Holiness, the 12th Kenting Thai Satupa, who is the chief of all or the head of all Tibetan Buddhist monks' education. Wow. And I got to have a one-on-one with him after spending seven days in his presence. And I was chosen and it felt such a treat. And I got in there with him and he asked me what my question was. And I went, yes, I have a very big question for you. Why do people have to struggle? Why is struggle part of the human experience? Why? And he chuckled and sort of said, oh, very human question, he said. But he believed that without the dichotomies, the extremes of life, without the dark, we would not appreciate and understand the light. Without the shadow, we would not see the golden shadow. So he really showed me in that moment to embrace all parts. Now, something you just mentioned before was when you're rich, you don't have to tell you're rich. When you're confident, you don't have to say it. And there's that other beautiful line, those who speak do not know, those who know do not speak. So what part are you not speaking that we could share, that we could find? What's the part of you that you don't have to tell but we'd like to hear what it is? What is it about Jordan Potts that is so amazing and so beautiful and what is it about you that has now made you see this full picture? And I know it's probably not natural for you to speak it, but you're on a podcast and you have to. <laughs> well, maybe I don't have to. <laughs> maybe that's the paradox. <laughs> What, 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 I think it's, it's assessing and I'm going to take a breath before I share, but I think it's assessing why, why the need to share. And, and there's a, for that whole part of acceptance or, you know, social recognition or whatever it is that we're really encouraged to, to build and to create in our lives so that we, you know, climb the ladder. For me, it's presence. It's being a massive part of my development is just being able to be present. And it's not perfect all the time. I'm not 110% present 24 hours a day. I find myself in patterns. I might be caught up in Instagram or caught up looking at crypto or whatever, you know, like, and I get very distracted from my present self or even with Indigo, you know, he might be, I might be holding him and I might be doing a little bit of work and then he's crying and I kind of get a bit like chewed up. I get a bit frustrated. I'm like, come on, just chill. And then I'm like, hold on, I'm not giving him any presents. And so I need to put my work down and just be there for him. And as soon as I'm present with him, he's so calm. He's, he's laughing. He's having, he's, he's beautiful, beautiful boy, you know, but all he wants is our presence. And I think if I was just speaking to one one element of my life where I really embody it is is being present with people and listening to people as well. So listening to understand is something that I was never encouraged to do as a child. And so it's a pattern in my life that I'm very aware of if that self comes out, if that part of my identity is activated, I can quite easily listen to respond. So I'll you know listen to you to think about what I'm going to say to you instead of listening to you to understand what you're actually saying. Mm. And so being present with people and really enjoying the moment is, is a big part of my life now. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason I ask that question. And it's because, you know, we can talk about the ego and we can talk about how talking about ourselves is that fine line again. Um, but then part of self-love is also expressing who you are. So are you suggesting then we be who we are rather than say who we are or is there something even beyond that cool okay let's just let's just unpack that question so are you saying just to embody or whether to be able to express both are incredibly important right yeah so if that's the question i think it's it's not a right or wrong because right or wrong comes from a very low vibration, like low vibration in you know polarity, and it's this or that. And I think it's that integration. It's knowing when the time and the space is open to it. You know, if you're forcing your expression onto people who don't need to hear it, or you're doing it for acceptance, or you're doing it for them to like you, maybe just stay quiet. <laughs> you know, but for instance, if someone asks you a question like you just did about me exposing what I think I embody, 
it's a, it's a, it's a, a safe space to actually share and express who I am. And I think that's also a big part in our connection and our growth is, is knowing when to express parts of yourself. And yes, there's the, the concept that you should just have no filters, like just be radically yourself and just go for it. But that will also have a certain response. Like you're not going to go into your grandma's house and play death metal and start mosh pitting. Like it's just, it's just not the right time or the place. So, you know, having that ability to be transparent with your environment and read the room and read other humans and, and understand what their needs are and then what your needs are in the moment and then making that, that integration I think is a powerful tool. So, yeah, I'm all for people expressing themselves in a safe space. You know, it's, it's similar to when people go to these self-development weekends or personal development. They'll do three or four days and they get fully stripped back. They're vulnerable. They're feeling like they've, they've got this new potential and then they come back to their, their home environment or their friends and they, they oh, I, did this, I did this, yeah, I'm going to... And their friends go, shoot them down. And instantly it's like, oh, what? Like, man. And then you go back into that old paradigm down. It's like know when to share and who to share with. They say you are an expression or a um, a reality, whatever that is, or perception of the five people you spend the most time with. Who do you choose to spend your time with now? <laughs> well, my first two are my beautiful partner, Nicola, and my gorgeous son, Indigo. Do dogs count? Because <laughs> I spend a lot of time with my dog, Soul, as well. Uh, but I do look to... Uh, I incorporate into my circle people who challenge me, who are honest with me and who always want me to win. And so the people in my circle, we, we can be honest with each other, but we don't tear each other down. So we'll, we, will, we will kindly pull each other up, but we won't, you know, it's no shit talking or, or trash talking each other. It's, hey, I'm aware that you just said this. Is that a story that you want to keep playing in your life? You know, if I if I came in to say, oh, I'm really struggling with the thing, I just can't do it. You know, if I if I, in our circle we say, are you sure you can't do it, or is it that's just a story that's playing in your head? And so it's just keeping each other accountable, and I think that's a really important thing. So I've got some incredible mentors here on the coast and some mates. You know, Lyndon Holzheimer is one that I constantly connect with. He's uh, amazing. He's he's just a um, language wizard and yeah always thought very very progressive with his thoughts and his ideas and the things that he creates uh and then yeah the culture at our gym is actually incredible because we have a very open-minded culture and it's great to be around people who help you see differently or help you expand your consciousness or your views or your perspective on life and that really helps your growth because when you see through a different lens, you see a different world. And it's so common, you know, even with all of the challenges that our world's currently experiencing, as soon as you change your perspective on it, your emotions change. And that's a lot of the work I do with people as well. It's like they just are so stuck with one lens. And it's like, well, let's just take that lens off the camera and let's put another one on and then we'll see a different world. And it's, it's instantaneous. As soon as you change your perspective, the things you look at change. It's crazy. And, and so powerful, yet many of us haven't been taught that. Many, you know, your generation is a generation now full, not only information but also acceptance. And in my parents' day, to go and see a psychologist or to see someone or a mentor, if that's the way you could call it, was seen as you were ill or weak. something wrong or weak. Mm. What is it then in this day and age? You can either talk to us through the gym and why you've created that, but also your passion and love for men in particular to really learn to express and own who they are in all aspects. But then how do people find that tribe? How do we get there? Is it you constantly searching for it? In other words, if you are someone who's struggling, you can't expect someone to come in and fix you or get you to join your gym or to come and meet someone of like of your mentor. So how on earth does someone who's struggling actually end up finding, is that a personal journey and something they have to go through for themselves as well? Mm. I think the first point that I'd like to express from my point of opinion is no one's broken. 
and no one needs to be fixed. We're just experiencing different things at different points in our life. And we tend to attach to certain patterns or certain beliefs that can create or that do create results in our life. And so as soon as we see them external to us, it might be a behavior, it might be um, a belief, it might be an addiction or whatever it is, it's, it's external to you. Your truer self wasn't born with it, so it's something that's come into life. And as soon as we can change the perspective on it and let go of that, our life changed. So it's not necessarily that anyone's broken or anyone needs to be fixed. It's just that we need to be nurtured. You know, it's like a plant, a seed in the right environment will thrive, whereas if you put that seed in, in a shitty environment with you know, lack of nutrients and, and horrible conditions, there's a, there's a fat chance it's going to thrive. And so we just need to change that environment. And when it comes to finding the environment, I think you need to just assess, first of all, where you would like to be or who you would like to be or what is what you really value. Do you value being energetic? Do you value being strong? Do you value being successful in business? Or do you value like whatever your values are, more love, more peace, more minute, like be more mindful. If you get clear on your values, you can then step into environments that promote those values or express and, you know, and, and embody those values. And so finding your true self is, is a big part, is doing the unpacking. And especially if you're someone who's struggling, you need to give yourself time and space and safe space to explore that area, that inner world. Because if you do it in a, in a place that isn't encouraging or nurturing, you can re-trigger or re-trauma a lot, some of those hurt, hurt selves or hurt parts of ourself. And so, yeah, creating time and space, it might be 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day. It could be an hour a day. It could be an hour a week with a mentor. It could be someone you know that you know has results that you desire or that you want and they can help you shift into a state of willingness where you're actually willing to make change. But it all comes down to that. Find the things that, I guess, visualize the things that you you see being of satisfaction to you. You know, it might be better relationships. It might be, you know, create more more wealth. It might be being able to be healthier and fitter and achieve a marathon or whatever it is. Visualize what it is you want and then seek people who have that and who have a great energy to share. Is that why you started the gym? Talk to me about that, Jim. The gym was needed to be a fertile environment. So what I saw was a part of the fitness fitness industry that, that, that lacked focus on the inner work, so addressing our inner world. So instead of just the body image or the fitness or, you know, how, how strong your mindset kind of thing is, like what about self-love? What about peace, presence? What about just being more comfortable in yourself, you know, without having to achieve the things, yeah? Instead of basing your self-worth on what you achieve, base your self-worth on what you actually just are, your potential as a human being and all of the incredible things that come with that. And so the model for me started with junior athletes, I was right into athletic development and I realized a lot of athletes struggle with self-doubt or confidence or they have all these internal struggles. It's not the physical body is very easy to change. It's simple. The inner world takes a lot, a little bit more awareness, takes some more esoteric work or emotional work to actually process and build. And so it's an integration of mind, body, lifestyle, like addressing what's going on internally, then also addressing what's happening in your body. So you maybe you're bound with pain or you, your joints are tight and you, you're stiff and you can't move, you can't move freely or have fun. So like let's free you up from pain and then allow you to live a life of enjoyment. And then also lifestyle, like what's your environment like? What are you eating? What are you drinking? You know, what chemicals have you got putting on? What are you, what are you putting on your body every day? How are you sleeping? What's your thought pattern like? You know, how do you breathe? Can you sit still for 10 minutes without getting angry? Like all of this stuff, like why don't we, why doesn't the fitness industry, if it, it's all about health, why doesn't the fitness industry help people achieve a holistic view of fitness or health? So not only am I physically fit, 
but I'm also mentally fit. I'm also emotionally fit. And then I'm also spiritually fit. Like why don't we build all of these avenues into a model that allows us to go down whatever path is necessary for us at the time? If I can be so bold, I, I'm so with you. I've been living in this world for 30-plus years, educating women in particular to truly love who they are through all realms of, of womanhood. And, you know, I could say the same thing in my world and my skin here and all the things that I do. And what I've come down to is an acceptance that there's certain people, a lot of people, who just are not ready for this and who are not willing to surrender to this. And for some people it appears, just through my perspective, that there is a fear of letting that guard down or letting themselves feel exposed or feeling vulnerable in a disempowering way. So how, you know, the, for, to walk into a gym the first time, whatever gym it is, no matter what it is, that first step into a gym or a class or a program or a course is often the hardest. What is your, is it the values of your gym that has it so appealing to so many people? Is it, that, how do you make someone feel that they are safe to walk into that environment? <laughs> it's a great question. And, and, Going back to that contrast part, before I answer this question, the contrast is, is we need the fitness industry to have all kinds of areas. And it's very important that we have people who aren't ready for the journey because we can only help people who are ready. And so that contrast is absolutely when you are ready or when you feel a level of dissatisfaction in your life that's going to drive you into change, that makes you willing, not just desire, not just I want to change, but when you're willing to change that's when you take the step. And for people ready to take the step, we have created an incredible culture. It's a very calm culture. It's very peaceful. It's very accepting. It's very open. But we also have an energy and an acceptance that wherever you're at on your journey, if you've chosen us to guide you and we're not going to fix you, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. We're just going to provide you options and you choose what feels best and explore that, experience it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll change something. That concept is very, I think, attractive to people because it becomes not so much about right or wrong or you must do this. It's about, hey, let's just take the pressure off the human experience and start experiencing and feeling what's true to us and what, what, what works. You know, there's so many different ways that we can address or fine-tune health and wellness, whatever that means to people. So just start experimenting. Don't be stuck. You know, don't allow yourself to keep repeating the same patterns. Just try different things. You're going to find what works. You're going to find also what doesn't work, but it's just a result. You know, the whole failure thing is, is a big part of our culture because failure for people, they, they think it's like, oh, no, I failed. It should really be a celebration of, oh, I found what didn't work. You know, I found an opportunity to then find what works. So, it's, again, it's just shifting your perspective. And I think that's a really encouraging culture for people to step into, especially in this industry where it's very vain and it's very body image focused. And like, I, I, I fully appreciate being fit and healthy and being able to be confident in my physical body in this life, but then also dropping all of that shit and not placing my worth on my image, but also my internal peace. Yeah, and so, I really yeah, like I really love them. And the whole thing around perspective is probably the greatest thing that I keep hearing come through with you. And like you say, change your thoughts, your world's change. So from your perspective, in order to get back to that real core thing of knowing your values, because values can be driven out of beliefs and beliefs can be driven out of experiences. So it is a kind of like a very big circle here. But is there a certain question that you get your beautiful tribe to do? Is there something, how do you encourage someone to work out what they value the most, particularly if it's never been a question they've asked themselves? Two ways of going at this that I would see best fit. So if it was to be asked just consciously, just without any preparation work, I'd ask what you don't want. What don't you want? That's a really easy question for people to start unpacking and to put some value, put some answers forward. Because if we ask them what they value, some people get a bit tripped up. Like, oh, I don't like, and say, like, oh, what don't you want? You don't want to be sick. You don't want to be overweight. You don't want to be 
buckled with pain. You don't want to be depressed. Like whatever it is, you okay, that's what we've got. That's now our contrast point. Okay, so we've got A. So now let's create the opposite or let's move towards pleasure instead of pain. So instead of having pain-driven values of I, I want to, I don't want to be sick. That's why I trained. Now that's a very that's moving away from pain, but instead let's move towards pleasure. Well, what does the pleasure of being having a, a robust immune system and healthy and vibrant give you? Well, I just want to be ecstatic with energy. I want to be up and about. I want to be able to live my day with great connections and you know, this essence of zest. It's like cool. Well, let's set that in place and that's now your pleasure target, like move towards pleasure. We're so driven away from pain as human beings. As soon as we flip that perspective to the pleasure and that's, it's, that's a process, it doesn't happen at an instant, you need to do the work of like instead of running away from things, move toward things. And for the deeper part of that question, I would do breath work first before I present people what they value, which will allow us to quieten the monkey mind and clear the chatter that's in our mind and settle the prefrontal cortex or settle the the very stirred up front of our brain which usually distracts our truth and and puts all their its, its little constraints and limitations on our answers so first get people into a place of peace and presence and then when they're in a place of peace and presence ask them what they truly value One of the things that can happen in life, the more we go down this path, is we become more aware of how much practice we get in the world with our triggers, the things that don't serve us, the the tall poppy, the naysayers and all of that. Life is a wonderful opportunity of experiencing the contrast. And yet we can be going so well. Is it your belief that creates us to go backwards sometimes or into the self-sabotage? Even people that are doing really well, you even said it yourself, every now and again, there is these moments that come up. Is that like muscle training where it's a practice to constantly stay present and just know that that's an opportunity for inquiry rather than I'm useless, I'm not good enough and all of that? Is there a certain thing that you'd recommend on that pathway if we do fall backwards at times or maybe slip up or judge ourselves more harshly at times? Mm. If I answer this from my old self, the response would be you need to cut the behaviour straight away, you need more discipline and you need to just be stronger, you know. From my current position and where I view the world and I think that... And these two answers will be dependent on the person. So for me now, when I slip off, when I fall off the bandwagon, when I, I'm not as disciplined with my meditation or my breath work or my training or my eating and I find myself taking a few steps backwards, whatever backwards is, like is it taking steps backwards or is it you're still moving forward in a way, you know, you're just moving through the human experience. I think letting go of that whole needing to be something and just being aware of what's actually happening. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm not meditating daily, why am I not meditating daily? And just asking myself the, within the space of awareness of like, well, at the moment is meditation a big part of my values? You know, is, is it what I value in my day? And then I can go a level deeper and go, well, how do I feel at the moment not doing my practice? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting more agitated or I'm feeling more anxious about things. Okay. Do I value getting back into rhythm? Yes, I do value the results that will come with that. Okay, so I'm going to get back on and start doing it and see how I feel. And then I think when we address it from a place of feeling and values, there's almost no pressure because you're just going to do things that you 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 want to do, you know, because you know the result they're going to achieve. Like I'll have periods where I don't now, speaking about this as well, because a lot of these techniques can become addictions. When I first doing started doing breath work, I got to a point where I was I was doing breath work every day, but I got to a point where if I didn't do breath work, I'd feel horrible. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now breath work is a vice. Now I need breath work to feel good. That's not a great relationship with anything. So addressing the fact that, yes, if you're coming out of a low point, whatever that low point is in your life, and you need to do some really profound work to get yourself 
into a different state. Yes, it might be diligent. I'm going to commit to 30 days of doing this so I can get a really, like I can compound these effects. But then if you get to a point where you, you, you feel you must, that's probably a, a vice on your own emotional, you know, perspective in a way. So being able to address what the moment is and, and where the person is in their journey because I think, you know, if, you're, if you've got a goal and you want to run a marathon, you can't just go, oh, well, I just don't feel like running at the moment. Like you're going to have to put the, put the foot to the pavement. You know, there's going to have to be some structure to have, have a change in the body. But, you know, if people get, you know, all chewed up because they can't eat a certain thing and then that causes them more emotional pain, it's like let go of that. Why have all these limitations and restraints on ourselves if it's going to cause a negative, re- negative result anyway? Do you truly, you know, want it that bad if you're resenting achieving the result? I'm hearing from you, which is a gift for many, that the power of self-inquiry is self-love. Constantly asking yourself why I'm feeling this or not feeling this and not having an attachment or judgment on it. And I really admire it because it takes a lot of, I don't know if it takes a lot of practice, but it takes insight, it takes Um, understanding that we're all different and at different times we feel different. And I think the power of self-inquiry is something that we very much can sometimes undervalue. From your perspective, as we are coming to the end of this, I don't want it to end. um, We could talk for hours. I'm just sitting here going, there's a billion questions in my head. And I really want to bring it back to the beautiful listener who right here, right now, is listening to your words of wisdom. How old are you, by the way? 28. So 28, beautiful age, beautiful number, name of my business, just saying. <laughs> um, 28, a young man who has been, for many, for want of a better word, to the brink, you've been to the, to the worst of the worst in many aspects, and now someone who has been given an opportunity of life has been given this gift to surround himself with people to help raise him and to also support him to be the man he is always and is destined to be in this moment. What would be your advice to say a person listening to this who either is concerned about someone that they love because not all men talk like you. I'm sure a lot of men would love to talk like you at all ages and I'm sure a lot of men also actually, if they gave themselves permission, could easily talk like this. It's not hard to be truthful and to be in the essence of inquiry and working on oneself. What would be your advice to the person who maybe has had their partner, their friend, their parent, their, 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 their I don't know, an associate say, I really want you to listen to Jordan Potts. Why do you think they've just asked you ask them to listen to you in this moment. What do you think? And with, with humble energy and love of inquiry of who you are, with love, what is it that you feel you've been gifted with that you would love to give to them? Well, first of all, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate the feedback. It's, it's beautiful to be in a space where I can just share openly and, and, uh, and that's a really nice place and, and a peaceful place to be in myself. But it wasn't always like that, you know. I'm just a young kid from the Sunshine Coast who, you know, grew up in a happy family and got lost taking drugs and chasing girls and doing things for my mates that I didn't necessarily want to do and I I fucked up a lot in my life, you know, early on. And I think for men to, to see other men come from, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, abuse, fights, all that shit that is so fear driven and so survival driven to then step into a place where you can be calm and loving and abundant and strong and but but not forceful power like powerful not forceful like not forcing anyone to do anything so for me it's it's not about telling men what they need to do it's there's nothing in me that needs to tell someone that they didn't they need to live their life differently it's me just giving men permission to access more love and I think, unfortunately, love is a topic that's not commonly discussed around men. Well, actually, that's that's wrong because if you ask them what beer they love, they'll say, "Oh, mate, I love Forex, or I love yeah, or I love I love the UFC." You know, love is present, but only for the heavy masculine things that they love. You know, as soon as it it asks them to step into nurturing or caring, 
that's a bit like, oh, no, I don't want to be seen as queer or gay because we've got this whole stigma around that stuff. So it's like you can be feminine. You, you can have feminine parts to your existence. You can have masculine parts to your existence and you can have this all-encompassing, beautiful energy as whatever you want to be. And I know for myself, I, I had a fear of judgment of talking about love. You know, but I'll talk, I'd love talking about MDMA or my favorite song or my favorite DJ, you know, and it's just giving men permission to, to let the guard down and be, be the beautiful examples that they can be of strength, power, presence, support, protection, and also nurturing. I think about the analogy of like a man, if, if you're around a young child, you know, or if you have a young daughter or whatever, you're not going to be abusive to it. Like, you, like there's something in you that wants to care or, or, or an injured animal. If you see an injured animal, you know, you want to, you want to help it. That's that part in you. That's this nurturing, caring aspect. It's just not developed. It's been so shunned out of our world and our society because it's all biffs and fighting and drinking and pissing and hooking up with chicks. And, you know, let's get back to just being great, you know, grateful men men of service and enjoying our own internal world. I think that's a big permission slip for people to, for men, and especially to realize that they can go from those places of the brute force and step into power and presence. I really love it. I, I've had goosebumps this whole interview. It's a, it's a privilege. It really is a privilege to interview you. Um, I would love to ask them if someone is listening to this and they are, I want to be a part of that. I want to know about Nicola and Jordan. I want to know more about what they do and who they are. Have you got any things coming up? What's happening in 2022 for you where you, I'm sure being a parent, has also opened your eyes on another level of you? But what is what is open to you and what do you share through your beautiful gym? So Exalta Holistic Hub is a gym on the Sunshine Coast that is everything that we've described and there were some incredible new opportunities coming through the gym next year. And it's in, I'm saying gym, it's not gym, it's a place to grow, it's a place to learn, it's a place to increase your awareness and in all things health and wellness. So that's one avenue. If, if you're a local to the Sunshine Coast and you feel like you want to find a tribe or you want to find a community that really supports your growth and, and helps you build awareness, then then that I would certainly reach out to us on Instagram and, and sort out getting yourself sorted with your introduction package, which is you know, everything self-explained and you coach through the whole process personally. Um, and then if it's personally, you want to reach out to me on Instagram at jordanpotts uh, underscore. You'll find me there and I'm actually releasing a program next year for first-time fathers. So for men, for myself going through the process of Nicola falling pregnant and then all of the emotions that came up within me and the fears and the, the doubts and the self-addressing you know, how I'm going to be turn up as a father and then that whole process of, of how I can support her and how I can be there the most and how I can help her be emotional and help her be raw and, and have her own experience of pregnancy. And then stepping into fatherhood and all of the stuff that comes up, your old selves, your triggers, everything that you wouldn't necessarily want to pass on to your children but might naturally happen and, and, and giving men the space to, to speak with someone openly about it and start fine-tuning some things or trying some different experiments on their behavior or their lifestyle or whatever so that they can truly turn up as a, as a present father. is uh, That's my, my next venture in 2022, which is I'm super excited about. So if you're a male and your partner's expecting or you've just had a child or even if you've had one child and you're having another and you want to restart your kind of view on or perspective on fatherhood or yourself, yeah, I would really... I'd really like to connect with more men. So, yeah, this is a calling. I'd even love to extend it, and I don't know if it's right or not, but there's something saying to me, you know, a lot of men have gone through the fatherhood things, and I know for a lot of men they look back and go, I could have done that way better. So do women as well, by the way. But I'm just wondering and curious too whether or not expectant grandfathers could be a part of that journey as well, you know, like watching their yeah. children go through it and being a better granddad, a better you know, because that matriarchal, patriarchal, beautiful ability to share wisdom and knowledge, including mistakes, but also the lessons, the learnings, that's something that seems to have 
you know, been lost along the way where we used to ask aunties, grandmothers, mm. great-grandmothers, et cetera, as women, it'd be really nice to see that for our men as well. So I'm just planting that. Yeah, I won't step too far outside <laughs> of my lane. And to wrap it full circle, I, I don't tell anyone, I don't have the answers. Everyone's got the answers within themselves already. They know what they need to do. They just need a safe space to explore that awareness and to create time and space to ponder and to make changes in their internal world. And that's all I do as a, a support person in someone's life. I'm not there to tell them what's right or wrong or what they have to do. It's really just about leading each other to, to your truth. And if you can find someone who can help you really find your truth and really get clear on what it is and design that, that's a powerful person. And I'm so grateful for the mentors and my community who's, who's helped me find my truth. And so, yeah, I couldn't think of anything better than creating that space for other people. So I love it. And I think one of the most beautiful roles, if you consider your mentors and you look at the people that have mentored you, one of the greatest privileges to mentor someone isn't to mentor someone who doesn't want it, but the power in someone who's willing mm. to be mentored is just such a privilege. And each one of us, each phase of our lives, we're mentoring whether we believe it or not, or whether we're acknowledging it or not. So being the best version of ourselves we possibly can in each and every moment is a gift that I've really heard comes through everything you've said. And I, again, I want to acknowledge you for for the inner work, it's big, you know, it's it's not always easy and sometimes it's confronting and sometimes it's incredibly magical and there is no better feeling than, than being in love with oneself and to share that expression of you. So from my heart and on behalf of all of these beautiful listeners, I just want to say thank you for, for a beautiful interview today. Well, thank you, that lands. I, I feel the energy and, yeah, it's honestly a blessing to connect with amazing humans like yourself. So thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, well, what would be your favourite quote at the moment? Something that means something to you. I imagine there's heaps. No, I've, I've got one. I, I have one. It's from my mate Darren Manta. You might know Darren. He's a kinesiologist from Cloundra. You do? I know the name, definitely. Yeah, he's amazing. And he is my, he is my role model in love. He's such a loving man and is, is so caring and so just so open and present. But he says, love everyone and everything, including yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. And that is my mantra at the moment. Yeah. And that comes to our trees. You know, if you feel like you can't love someone, look to, to why that is and look to, to open up and accept and, and love everyone and the contrast and all of the incredible experiences that come with that. So the awareness is a blessing and this life is a blessing. So, yeah. And if ever there was an opportunity to understand contrast, it's certainly in this time and age right now, right? Mm. Jordan Potts, thank you again for being on the Self Love Podcast. It's been a treat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.